0: So glad to see all of you here today. I'm Pastor Brian, one of the teaching pastors here at Alpine Church, and this is the one day of the year when we men dress up like Easter eggs, right? I've been, we've been mocking each other out in the lobby this morning, all these guys, that I honestly have one shirt in my, in my wardrobe that's not black or gray, and it's this one right here. It's my Easter egg shirt. It also doubles for St. Paddy's Day. See that? See how I picked the color that I could use for two different things? So I can't wait to get out of these clothes and put on just some muted tones again uh, later today. We're so glad you're here today. I know if you're, if you're new today or if, or if you just sort of attend Alpine Church on Christmas and Easter... We're still so glad you're here, and we want to invite you to make this a regular part of your Sunday routine, of your weekly routine. Today, we're going to just finish up our little mini-series we started last week called The Week That Changed the World. That's what Holy Week is. Holy Week is, is that week that starts on Palm Sunday. It goes through Friday that we just celebrated here, Good Friday, And it ends today on this glorious day, Easter Sunday morning. And I want to just make sure to say to all of you who are watching online, Happy Easter to you as well. We're glad you're joining us online. And I want to invite you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open it up to the Easter story. You can find it in all four of the Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, which just simply means the good news. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus from four different perspectives. And we're going to take a look in, in, in the book of Luke. There's this story in the book of Luke about Easter that only Luke has. And it's one of the coolest stories about the road to Emmaus. If you've never heard this one before, uh, this is a great story. And it it tells us a lot about who Jesus is this morning. But before we get to the walk to Emmaus, we need to start with this p- This part of the story in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. This was after Jesus had died on Friday night, and they went to the tomb to sort of pay their respects. They took spices that they'd prepared, and they get to the tomb, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. They went in. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, Clothed in dazzling robes. They were angels. And the women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? I love that. The Bible is filled with smack talk. It's so good. If you wondered if that was biblical, it is. It's okay. To do a little bit of smack talk, and this is some smack talk. I just, I love that this is how they said it to the women. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And the women said, "Why are you smack talking us? At least we showed up here. The men are all just back playing cards. Isn't this cool?" By the, that's not in the Bible. I just, went, some of you are like, I don't see that in Luke. I'm looking. Isn't it cool that? That the story of the Bible includes not just men, but it includes women. That Jesus came for everyone. This was in a culture 2,000 years ago where women weren't even allowed to be witnesses in the court of law. And yet the gospel story shows women showing up to the tomb first. The gospel of Luke, which was written by a man, is speaking about, is kind of putting the men in a bad light. That the women showed up at the tomb, the men didn't show up there. To me, this is this is just more proof that God's word is true and reliable and trustworthy, and we can take it to the bank. When I read these stories, I say, this really is God's word. That the women showed up there and they found that the tomb was empty. Now, Jesus is risen. Good. I'm gonna do that again because you weren't ready for that. That was unfair. Let's try that. Jesus is arisen. He's risen indeed. And here's what happened after this little story in Luke 24. Again, this is the only gospel that contains this next story that we find starting in verse 13. It says that same day, the same day that the women went to the tomb. Now, they hadn't seen Jesus yet. They just saw the angels. They were still wondering what's going on. But it says that same day, two of Jesus' followers, and they weren't two of the 11 disciples. They weren't those original apostles. It was just two other guys. Only one of them was named in the story. It says that they were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're walking from Jerusalem to this village of Emmaus. It's about a two-hour walk. And it says as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. They talked and discussed these things. And as they did this, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? You know, I went to college. Back in the day, I went to college to the same location that my twin brother went to. I have a twin. Um, he's, he looks a lot like me. I'm the better looking one, but he looks a lot like me. And I remember walking out of a building one day, and some girl came up to me and started talking to me. And it became clear to me that she thought, I was my twin brother. I've shared this story before, but I've, I, I need to share it again in the context of this because we walked for 15 minutes, and I kind of passed that moment where it was normal for me to correct her because she didn't realize who she was talking to. Has that ever happened to you before? Maybe you, like, moved into a new neighborhood, and, and you've missed your neighbor's name, but now it's too late. And so you've lived in the neighborhood for two decades, and you don't even know your next... It's like one of those things. Like you can't, It's just a little awkward. So we're walking along, and it's just a little bit, it's pretty clear that she thinks I'm my twin brother. And then 15 minutes into the walk, she is still walking with me. It turns out she walked all the way, the whole length of the campus with me. And the whole time I'm praying, Lord, open her eyes so that she could see that I am not my twin brother. This is kind of what's going on here. Jesus is walking alongside them, but God wouldn't let them know who he was. And here's the reason I think this happened this way. As the disciples walked and talked, they revealed their ignorance of Christ's true identity and purpose. I think that God has this story in the Gospels for our sake so that we could learn what they knew about Jesus. It's really a pretty powerful little summary as these two disciples walk along. Again, they're not teachers. They're not apostles. They're just average disciples, just regular Joes, regular people who, were, who had been drawn in by Jesus' message, by Jesus' life, by Jesus' miracles. They'd been drawn in by that, but they weren't anyone special. They were just regular people in the church. And I love what these regular people say to us about who Jesus is. Here's what they said to Jesus. Remember, bear in mind, they don't even realize this is Jesus they're talking to. Here's what they said to Jesus. When Jesus said, what are you talking about? What things have just happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And as we walk through this, I want to I just show you what Luke is doing here, the author of this gospel, who also, by the way, is the author of the book of Acts in the Bible. And I think what Luke is doing for us is he's giving us a nice little summary of what the early church understood about who Jesus is. And I want to make sure you know who Jesus is today as well, especially if church is not a normal thing for you, if, if this isn't a typical Sunday morning experience for you. I want, to, I want you to see what these two unnamed disciples said about Jesus. And we're going to build the list over here on the left as we go from his earthly ministry at the bottom to his crowning achievement at the top, which is what today is all about. First of all, he says this, he was the man from Lazarus. So number one, Jesus was a man. I know this is confusing for people, but here it is. I'm going to give you the quick little formula. Jesus was 100% man, and he was 100% God. That's what Christians have believed ever since The Bible was written that Jesus, when Jesus came in the flesh, we study or we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is when Jesus came and took on flesh. The fancy word for that is the incarnation. He took on flesh, so he was fully God already, and then he added flesh to who he was. I know it's so hard to understand. It's so hard to to compute how, how someone could be fully God and fully man, and yet that's who Jesus was. Number one. Number two, they said he was a prophet. Now, a prophet, just so, just so that you know, prophets generally didn't just predict the future, although Jesus did do that on occasion in the Gospels. The main thing that prophets did is they spoke out the word of God to the people. And they called people back to God. They called people back to God's true intention. And so when you think about it from that definition, Jesus was the greatest prophet who ever lived. Because Jesus came, he, he was God in the flesh, revealing to us who God really is, but also revealing to us what God's heart always was for us. You see, back in, in Jesus' day, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, these were people that were charged with teaching the people about who God is and what matters to God, and yet, yet they completely missed God. You know, that can happen with religion, Religion can have a holy book like this, like the Bible, and yet so many people study the Bible and miss the God behind the Bible. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to speak out God's true intention for us, for you and for me. And by the way, I just want you to know what his true intention is. He loves you. He cares about you. He doesn't want to just judge you. He doesn't want, he's not just waiting to zap you. He's not terribly disappointed that you come twice a year. Church, Christmas, and Easter. That's not God's heart toward you. God's heart toward you is love and compassion. He wants the best for you. That's the God of the Bible. And Jesus, the greatest prophet who ever was, revealed that to us in his word. Number three, they said he did powerful miracles. So Jesus was a miracle worker, and you've probably heard about some of his miracles, but let me just list a couple. He raised a guy from the dead. Lazarus, just a little bit before this story, he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead four days, and he raised him from the dead. Jesus fed 5,000 people. He fed this, actually more than that, because that was just the number of men in the crowd, with just a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. That's it. He just prayed over it and multiplied it and miraculously fed all these people. He didn't do, do that once. He did it twice. That happened twice in the Gospels. Jesus walked on water, In fact, Jesus even invited his disciple Peter to walk on water. Jesus Jesus went one time and there were lepers back in that day. Lepers were were people who were supposed to call out that they're unclean. If If you were a leper and someone started to approach you, I think we can all appreciate this in our COVID days. If you were a leper and someone approached you, you were supposed to say, unclean, unclean. You were by law, you were required to tell them that you were unclean. You better stop walking toward me. And Jesus, yet, on many occasions healed lepers, and you know how he did it? He touched them. He touched them. Because because again, he didn't want to just show that he's a miracle worker, but he wanted to show people's heart, or he, he wanted to show God's heart for people. God's heart for people is compassion in love, and God wants to touch us. God's not afraid. He's not afraid of our leprosy. He's not afraid of our sin. In fact, this is, this is part of what we can learn from those kinds of miracles is that, that Jesus is actually more powerful than our sin. Our sin should be afraid of Jesus, not the other way around. And so Jesus was this amazing miracle worker, and, and these two disciples knew that. And then they said, number four, he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Here this guy was who wasn't a Pharisee. Jesus was, he was literally just like, he was a carpenter. He was the son of a carpenter, so the assumption is that that's the trade that he learned. He was a carpenter. He didn't go to, he didn't go to seminary. He didn't go to any special uh, school to learn about God in the Old Testament Jesus didn't do any of that, and yet we, one of the earliest pictures we have of Jesus is as a 12-year-old boy, he's at the temple. His parents lost track of him and left him at the temple, by the way. F- families, you can talk about that, because if that's ever happened in your family, then that's very hurtful to you kids, right? I remember my, my twin brother was left one time on a vacation. Everybody went to the bathroom. Five kids. How do you keep track of five kids, right? But everyone went, we all went to the bathroom at a McDonald's and... We got in the car, and we must have forgotten to do the head count, and we drove off, and my twin brother was left in the bathroom there. So he, he understands this story about Jesus at 12 years old being left at the temple. It's like, what am I, chopped liver, you know? And yet, Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus was there teaching the people about God's heart, because he was a mighty teacher, not just as a 12-year-old, but so much of what we have in the Bible. So many in the stories of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are filled with Jesus' teachings, his wonderful, brilliant teachings, which, by the way, we're going to do a series on starting next week. I hope you'll come back for that. But he was a brilliant teacher. He was a wonderful teacher, and they'd learned so much about who God really is. And so, Here these disciples are making this quick little list. He was a man, he was a prophet, he was a miracle worker, he he was a teacher. But let's just be honest, a lot of people believe those things about Jesus. A lot of people in this world today believe those things about Jesus. And yet they miss this last one. Here's what they said. Our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. This is what was on their mind this day. They were still trying to make sense of all of this. And look at the last thing that they said here. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. That word Messiah is a Jewish word and it just simply means the the rescuer, the savior of the world. See, the Jewish people had always been persecuted and it isn't interesting they're still persecuted today, even in our generation, but they'd always been persecuted and yet in their scriptures, all throughout the Old Testament, there's, there's this message about that Jesus, or that this, this guy, this Messiah, this son of David, would someday appear and deliver them from the oppressors, whoever happens to be oppressing them at that moment. You know, in the Old Testament, it was Persia and Babylon, and there were, and there were all these oppressors, these great world leaders. If you go even further back, it was Egypt, right? The stories of Moses. So in any generation, there was always some world power that was stronger than the Jews, and the world power was dominating and oppressing the Jews. And the Messiah, so thought the Jews, the Messiah would come someday and he would deliver them from their oppressors. And so do you see now why these two disciples were so confused? Because what they just said is that the religious leaders handed him over to death, and now he's dead. And we thought he was the Messiah. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped that he was going to deliver us from the hands of the Romans. But no, he actually died at the hands of the Romans. Crucifixion was a Roman Roman form of execution and Jesus died a brutal death. And so as they were working through this, and maybe you're here today and you're doing the same thing. You're trying to work through who, who, who is Jesus really? Maybe you say, okay, I, I, can, I can get that he was a man. I celebrate, I love baby Jesus. I celebrate Christmas just like everybody else. Okay, I can believe that he was a prophet. I can believe that he was a miracle worker. I can believe that he was a good teacher. He was obviously a good teacher. We have his writings, but this last one might be the one that you're struggling with, probably just like these two disciples were. I'm not really sure that I can buy in that he's the Messiah. I'm not really sure that I can connect those dots. But you're here today anyway. And I want you to see what happens here as, as Jesus is walking with these guys. Remember, they still didn't know that they were talking to Jesus as they're giving him a little lesson on him. And then it says in verse 25, Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering his glory? Look what it says next. And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament. Explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's just stop for a second and see what's happening here. Jesus is saying this. You find it hard to believe all the things. Here's what that means. You have picked And chosen the things you want to believe. And isn't that something we just do? We come to the Bible and we say, what kind of God would I like? (laughs) I like this verse, and I like this verse, and I like that verse over there. And we listen to these preachers, even sometimes on television, with their nice curly hair and their shiny white teeth. And I would just say, don't believe those people. Never trust someone with a full head of hair, is what I always say. (laughs) Amen. And some of you said amen. Yeah. But this is what we do is is we want we want the the God that that meets our needs. We want the God who fits our mold. We want the God who, who, who does for us what we would like for Him to do for us. We want a nice God. We want a tidy God. But look, this Jesus is saying, you find it so hard to believe everything that is written here at Alpine Church. We say that we look to God and His Word in all that we do. And so that means even the verses that are harder for us, even some of the teachings that are harder to swallow, we still want to embrace every single one of them. And we want the God of the Bible. We don't want the God that we've fashioned. And Jesus said, Here's what you missed. You got all the cool verses about how Jesus or the Messiah is going to come back and he's going to be a conquering king. But he says this what you missed is that it was predicted all along that the Messiah would have to suffer. That's what, that's what the disciples were missing up to this point. Even though Jesus had said it to them many times, they still missed it. They still missed that They should have understood that this was all part of the plan all along. If they really understood the scriptures, if they really read all of it, not just some of it, but if they really read all of it, they would understand that this was God's plan all along. But they missed it. And isn't it so cool that Jesus took them through the writings of Moses? He took them through all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Remember, this was a seven-mile walk. This was a two-hour walk. How cool is it that they're walking along with Jesus and Jesus is literally, personally, verse by verse, going through the scriptures saying, see that, Isaiah 53, that was me. See this right here, Exodus 3.15, the very first time that we see mention of this incredible plan that we're celebrating today. The Bible says, this is back in Adam and Eve's day, God said to Adam, he said, the serpent will strike your heel, but you will crush His head. I bet you that's the verse that Jesus started with. And Jesus revealed all those things as he went through all the prophecies about him in the Old Testament. For two hours he taught them. And then look at what it says next. I love this. Verse 31 And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Two hours into it, after all this teaching, all of a sudden, They were able to see who they were talking to all along. It was Jesus. And here's the point for us today. Only Jesus can open our eyes to see who he really is. That's my prayer for all of us today. Whether you make Alpine your your regular home church and you come here most of the time on Sunday mornings, or whether you're just brand new today, our prayer for you is that God would open your eyes to see who he really is today. He's a man. He's a prophet. He's a miracle worker, he's a teacher, and he's the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for all along. It's cool then later it says that, that he went away, they, he, they took it, God took him away, so now he wasn't with them anymore. And it says later in the chapter, in verse 45, that he's talking to the other disciples, now the, the 11 disciples, the 12 minus Judas those disciples, he's talking to all of them and the women as well who had come to the tomb. And it says that talking to them, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So first he opened the eyes of those two disciples and then then he's talking to the rest of them and he does the same thing for the rest of them. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And look what he says. It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And here's the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And then he said, you are witnesses of these things. Here's the, cro- the crowning achievement of Jesus was to go to the cross, to die on the cross, but it didn't end there. The crowning achievement was to not just raise Lazarus from the dead, but he raised himself from the dead. Jesus defeated death and sin in the grave. And all of it, this is is what I want you to hear today, all of it was so that we could have forgiveness of sin. Here's the good news of the Bible. The good news of the Bible is that Jesus conquered your sin problem. Jesus paid the price on the cross for your sin problem and for my sin problem. You know, for many years, the... The people thought that the way to God was just to keep a checklist and try to do all the right things. And if you did something bad, then, then go hurry and do something good to make up for the bad thing that you did. And that maybe there was this someday, I just hope I did enough good things to overcome the bad things that I did. But that's actually not at all what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that there's no way you could make up for your sin problem. That your, that your sin problem required the death of somebody. That was the whole idea behind the, the religious temple rituals in the Old Testament when they'd have to take, take lambs and goats and sacrifice them on an altar. They did that because God was taking was taking their blood in place, or the, the blood of the goats or the lambs in place of, of, the, of demanding the blood of the person who sinned. It was God's graciousness. It was God's... His kindness, it was God's forbearance that he allowed this temple ritual, this sacrificial system to take the place of, of the death that you and I owe. But, but that was burdensome to the people. Year after year, they had to bring goats and lambs to the, to the priest, and the priest would sacrifice it on behalf of the sin of the people. And then Jesus showed up. And G, that's why Jesus said he must suffer Because Jesus wasn't just a conquering king. Jesus was also the lamb. Jesus was the one who crawled onto the altar and died one last time. He died on the cross for our sins. And so that was a picture of the sacrificial system and all of it finally, finally being taken care of. And so Jesus is saying there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. So the only thing that's left for us is to repent. That just means to turn from our way, Turn from the way that we've been walking, the, the, the mindset that we've had, which includes our ideas of God, by the way, is to turn from our way and to turn toward Jesus and say, I wanna go your way now. And I wanna trust that what you did on the cross, you did for me, for my salvation. The Bible says the moment you place your faith in Jesus with that kind of attitude, the Bible says, your sins are forgiven. That's the good news. Jesus came to conquer sin And to establish his rule in our hearts. And I want to invite you to learn more about that. You know, next week we're starting a new series and we're just calling it The Jesus Way. And it's a perfect follow-up to Easter because we're going to talk about the way that Jesus taught. That Jesus said there's a whole new way to look at the law. There's a whole new way to look at the Bible. There's a whole new way to look at God's requirements. There's a whole new way to look at life and when we trust in Jesus for salvation, he changes us from the inside out and we can begin to live this new life. And we're going we're to call that the Jesus way over the next six weeks, and I hope you'll join us for it as we continue to study the teachings of Jesus. But today, I just want to pray one last time as we finish up uh, the week that changed the world. I hope you understand now why the whole world changed because of Easter. It's because Jesus paid the price for our sins. Let's bow together and say thank you to him for that. Jesus, we praise you today that you are not just a man and you're not just a prophet. You're not just a miracle worker. You're not just a teacher. But God, even more than all of that, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who had to suffer, who died on the cross for our sins And then who rose from the grave to prove his authority over sin and death and hell. And today, Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for this thing that we celebrate on Easter. Thank you for offering forgiveness to any who would believe. And I pray today for the people who are here who have never put their faith in you. I pray that today would be the day that they do just that. God, that you would open their eyes to who you really are. And Lord Jesus, that they would trust in you for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for changing our worlds. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.